Mai. Good morning. This is Judith Lay welcoming you to Manx Radio and to the podcast of this week's edition of At Your Service. Manx Radio. And this morning I bring you a selection of music, reflections, thoughts and prayers, all on the theme of remembrance. We begin with the words of the exhortation spoken in Manx by Bob Carswell. When we are weary and in need of strength, when we are lost and sick at heart, we remember them. When we have a joy we crave to share, when we have decisions that are difficult to make, when we have achievements that are based on theirs, we remember them. At the blowing of the wind and in the chill of winter, at the opening of the buds and in the rebirth of spring, we remember them. At the blueness of the skies and in the warmth of summer, at the rustling of the leaves and in the beauty of autumn, we remember them. At the rising of the sun and at its setting, we remember them. As long as we live, they too will live, for they are now a part of us as we remember them. Remember what you will. Remember the sacrifice, the blood, the death, the loyalties forged, the times shared, the glory. Remember what you will. Remember what you will. The ideals, rights, justifications, the tyranny, the bravery, the hope, the trust betrayed, consciences crushed, innocence lost. Remember what you will. Remember what you will. Remember the youth destroyed, faces saved. Remember the scars, the wounded minds and bodies, families destroyed or uncreated, the waste, the games. And all things avoided or lost. Bloodbath, sacrifice, or bloodletting. Remember what you will. Remember what you will. Remember what you will. But remember.
Wallingford Parish Church Choir with the hymn I Vow to Thee My Country, All Earthly Things Above, Entire and Whole and Perfect, The Service of My Love. A Bible reading often used on Remembrance Day comes from the Old Testament, from a book written by the prophet Micah. Micah lived about 800 years before the birth of Christ. He'd witnessed the horrors of war at first hand, Micah speaks out against the leaders who've led the people into conflict and criticises the weakness of human plans compared to the wisdom of God and his ways. The reading speaks of the new hope that there'll be when God's values of justice and peace direct how we live. It is then, and only then, that people will beat their swords into plowshares and their spears into pruning hooks. In the last days, the mountain of the Lord's temple will be established as the highest of the mountains. It will be exalted above the hills, and peoples will stream to it. Many nations will come and say, Come, let us go up to the mountain of the Lord, to the temple of the God of Jacob. He will teach us his ways, so that we may walk in his paths. The law will go out from Zion, the word of the Lord from Jerusalem. He will judge between many peoples, and will settle disputes for strong nations far and wide. They will beat their swords into plowshares, and their spears into pruning hooks. Nation will not take up sword against nation, nor will they train for war any more. Everyone will sit under their own vine and under their own fig tree, and no one will make them afraid, for the Lord Almighty has spoken. On this Remembrance Day, we come in gratitude for all who have died so that we may live, for all who endured pain so that we might know joy, for all who suffered imprisonment so that we might know freedom. Turn our deep feelings now into determination and our determination into deed so that, as people died for peace, we may live for peace and work tirelessly to bring into our world the kingdom values of justice and peace for all God's people. It's been said that truly great people forget themselves. That's why they're remembered. During the Second World War, a Russian Orthodox nun, Mother Maria, was imprisoned by the Nazis for helping the Jews. One day she saw a woman being led towards the gas chamber. She was crying hysterically. So Mother Maria put her arm around her and told her not to be frightened, that she would come into the gas chamber with her. Mother Maria died cradling that woman in her arms. 
Most of us are unlikely ever to be famous, but there is a kind of greatness we can all achieve: being remembered by others for forgetting ourselves.
Reverend Dr. Malcolm Geit is a poet, a singer-songwriter, author, academic and an Anglican priest. He's visiting the island this weekend and yesterday I had the pleasure of meeting him and recording a long interview about his fascinating life and work and that interview will feature in a forthcoming edition of this programme. But the very fact that we were talking on Armistice Day turned Malcolm's thoughts to some particularly appropriate poetry. First, the story of one of his own poems, a short single verse, which, to Malcolm's great surprise, has now become one of his most requested poems. Occasionally I write a poem where I don't at the moment see the fullness of what I've said at all until a reader points it out. So I I once had this experience. I I wrote a, a quite short little poem. It was so personal and particular. It was to a friend. It's called Holding and Letting Go. And it was just a very particular instance where I'd been intending to accompany my father to the funeral of one of his friends. My father was quite elderly, and in a sense, his friend's death was made me both, both think about his mortality. At the last minute, I was called up to an emergency in college, and I couldn't go. But I had another friend with me, and my friend said to me, I'll go with your dad. And as I rode off to college, I glanced around, and I, I just saw as they were turning the corner that my friend reached out to hold my father's hand. Something I would have wanted to do, but would never have done. So I dealt with the emergency at college and we came back and I sat down and wrote this little note to my friend in, in verse. And I kept a copy of it and I showed it to my wife and she said, oh, can I send this to a friend in Canada? A week later, I get an email from a hospice in Canada and the title of the email is Your Hospice Poem. And it says, somebody read us this poem at our prayer meeting first thing and it just so totally captures the hospice movement my hospice poem? What, what poem was that? And then I looked back and saw this poem and I didn't know what I'd done until somebody else told me. We have a call to live and oh, a common call to die. I watched you and my father go to bid a friend goodbye. I watched you hold my father's hand. How could it not be so? The gentleness of holding on helps in the letting go. For when we feel our frailty, How can we not respond and reach to hold another's hand and feel the common bond? For then we touch the heights above and every depth below. We touch the very quick of love, holding and letting go. It is a hospice poem, but I needed a reader to show me that. The poem knew more than I did. But you say it's your most requested poem and that speaks to every reader in a different way. Yeah, I'm sure it does. And some people want to use it at funerals and some of them want to, you know, actually read it in hospices. And some people just want it as a kind of comfort at different stages in life. There'll be more from Malcolm Geit in a few moments. But we turn now to another poet. Wilfred Owen was a soldier and one of the leading poets to write about the horror and futility of the First World War. He was killed in action on the 4th of November 1918, exactly one week before the signing of the armistice which ended the war. This is Wilfred Owen's poem called Anthem for Doomed Youth, which Malcolm Geit recalls discussing in depth with fellow poet Seamus Heaney, when he won the Wilfred Owen Memorial Prize. What passing bells for these who die as cattle? Only the monstrous anger of the guns. 
Only the stuttering rifle's rapid rattle can patter out their hasty horizons. No mockeries now for them, no prayers, no bells, nor any voice of mourning save the choirs, the shrill, demented choirs of wailing shells and bugles calling for them from sad shires. What candles may be held to speed them all? Not in the hands of boys, but in their eyes shall shine the holy glimmer of goodbyes. The pallor of girls' brows shall be their pall. Their flowers the tenderness of patient minds. And each slow dusk a drawing down of blinds. talking about the beauty of the sound of Wilfred Owen's poetry. So I started quoting and then he took up the first lines of Anthem for Doomed Youth. So Heaney quotes this and he says, you know, listen to the sound of that, he said. And he said, I think of all the richness of sound that's available to a poet. He said, I think of it as like the joists under a floorboard or the hidden springing under a dance floor. It's not doesn't obtrude itself, but it undergirds and gives, gives support and spring to the line itself. And then he said, some people think if you're writing, as, as Owen did, about war and the pity of war, about grief or slaughter or whatever, that your poetry then has to be broken and jagged and barbed and difficult. And he said, no, 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 this is what I think. And I directly quoted him, he said, the greater the weight of grief a line is asked to bear, the more musically and beautifully undersprung it must be because it's only the beauty that helps us bear the grief. Beautiful poetry can deal with the great griefs and tragedies, but it needs to be all the more beautiful while it's doing it. And it is, as you say, particularly appropriate to reflect on this at this time of remembrance, this, yeah, this weekend. Yeah. Owen's poetry has almost become more powerful. I think so. I mean, going back to that poem, Anthem for Doomed Youth, I mean, the way that works, partly, it's almost the tension in the title between Anthem and Doomed. Because he uses the word anthem, he draws part of the imagery of that poem from a choir singing an anthem in a beautiful, peaceful parish church, just those little parishes all over the kingdom that the young men left. So he mentions, he mentions anthem, he mentions choirs, he mentions passing bells. And then he shows how the violence of the Western Front subverts every one of them, you know, what passing bells, only the monstrous anger of the guns. Later on he asks what choirs... And then he says, the only choirs are, and this is the line, the shrill, demented choirs of wailing shells. So we feel the grief and horror of this mechanised war all the more poignantly, because in the background he's got that quiet evensong in a parish somewhere going on at the same time, you know, and saying they should have had the piece of the evensong, but instead we sent them out to this. 
of all the war poets, he's the one who continues to to speak into the direct situation now. I mean, obviously, we're very concerned for the you know the terrible things that are happening in 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 Israel and Palestine and in the the bombing of Gaza, but also the dreadful things that happened with the the Hamas raids and the the butchery there. You know, and it's it's awful the way one outrage leads to another. But obviously, we're very conscious of that. But if you think about the Ukraine war, that's so like the First World War. I mean, they're in trenches. It's a war of attrition, you know, they're bogged down in horrible fighting in winter conditions. It's as though we've learned nothing in the preceding century. And so the poetry of that that First World War continues, I think, to speak deeply into, into the present. But, you know, there's a kind of hope and a kind of quiet triumph in the writing of a war poem at all. Because war is the breakdown of order and, and beauty and things. It, it's the emergence and intrusion of the kind of chaos of our uncontained passions. And poetry is precisely making order out of chaos. Poetry is, is, is looking for a, for a harmony and a resonance. And even if the harmony and resonance is only speaking about our destruction, it's still by its very form witnessing against the sheer chaos of war. Reverend Dr. Malcolm Guite reflects on the power of the war poetry of Wilfred Owen, and there'll be more from Malcolm in a forthcoming programme. But now we join Reverend David and Jacqueline Shirtliff for a time of prayer. Where there is war and conflict, we pray for peace and security. Where there is injustice and oppression, we pray for justice and freedom. Where there is hatred and distrust, we pray for harmony and understanding. Lord, in your mercy, hear our prayer. We pray for world leaders and all who exercise influence over others, that they may act wisely and justly and seek the common good. For all international organizations working for justice and peace, that they may be strengthened and upheld by your presence. Lord, in your mercy, hear our prayer. We pray for all who suffer as a result of war, in body and mind or spirit, for all who have lost their homes and possessions. Lord, in your mercy, hear our prayer. We pray for all who have died in war, those who have taken up arms, those caught up in conflicts in any way, and all innocent victims of war and violence. Lord, in your mercy, hear our prayer. We offer these prayers through our Lord and Saviour, Jesus Christ. Amen.
concludes our time of reflection in words and music for this Remembrance Sunday. Our special Remembrance programming continues after the 10 o'clock news, but we end now with a few items from this week's notice board. This Thursday the 16th, there'll be simple lunches of homemade soup, a pudding and tea or coffee served in the cool Methodist Chapel Hall between 12 noon and 2pm. The cost is just £7, no need to book, just come along, all are welcome. On Friday the 17th, there's a Bells and Brass concert in Christchurch, Laxey, featuring Tuesday Tutors, Brass Band and Laxey Handbells. It's on Friday night at half past seven and admission is £5, including light refreshments. On Saturday the 18th, there's a Christmas fair at Kirk Braddon, open from half past ten until twelve noon, with the Father Christmas Grotto, raffles, stalls, including a cake stall and refreshments on sale. And something else happening next Saturday is the Cranmer Prayer Book Reading Competition. It's next Saturday in St George's Church here in the centre of Douglas from 10am until noon. Entries are invited from children in three age groups, under 11s, 11 to 14 and 15 to 18 years old. Each young person has to read a piece of their own choice taken from the Book of Common Prayer. Winners will be eligible to represent the diocese at the national finals to be held in February next year at Hampton Court Palace in London. The competition is open to any children and members of the public are most welcome to come along and listen. And finally, next Sunday, the 19th, there'll be a Mariner's Choir service at Trinity Methodist Church at Rosemount here in Douglas. I have the privilege of being involved in that and it would be lovely to see you there. It's next Sunday evening at half past six. And that's all that we have time for now, but I'll be back later in our virtual lounge tonight at nine with a mix of easy listening music, your requests and your dedications and lots more notice board news and I'd love you to join me if you can. So, till whenever we meet again, this is Judith saying thank you for listening and I wish you and those you love a blessed and peaceful week and a very good morning. Mm -hmm.